Can you imagine being diagnosed with brain cancer, two brain cancers, at the age of 15? Well, that's what happened to my guest today, Carl Ponto, and we talk about how that's affected his life and how that led into him becoming a storyteller and a storytelling coach and how he helps businesses connect with their ideal clients through storytelling. You're listening to Espresso Jams, short, concentrated, delicious conversations about business, technology, and entrepreneurship. If you're just starting out on your business adventure or you're a seasoned business professional, I'm sure you'll find value in these short conversations. Espresso Jams is brought to you by Apexable, providing the tools, insights, and transformative structures to help you reach your business summit. I'm your host, Joe Matz. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Espresso Jams. Today, I'm with my buddy, Carl Ponto, and we, he is the owner of Squash and Stretch Productions. And we're going to be talking today with Carl. Hey, Carl, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Hey, it's great to have you here, Carl. And um, yeah. before we get started, let me ask you a question. Where sure. are you hailing from today? Sure. So I, I am located in a city called Livermore, California. It's about 40 miles east of San Francisco, right, right on the edge of the uh, SF Bay Area. Okay. Are you at the foothills of, of the mountains that are west of there? Uh, no, it's, it's over the, the first set of mountains that first pass between like uh, Fremont and the East Bay. And then there's we're basically right up against the Altamont uh, mountain range or Altamont Hills. So if you go further east, you go over the Altamont Pass and end up in like the Central Valley, Stockton, Manteca, um, Sacramento, that area. Okay. Well, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's nice. Okay, so to, we got talking, and um, we're gonna we're gonna replay some of that talk for you here live today. Um, mm. Tell us a bit about what you were doing before you started your own business. Sure. So I actually have a, a story about why I started my company that informs the how and the what. Can I share that one? Of course. Cool. So. I've been an artist my entire life. I grew up drawing, painting, sculpting, big Legos kid. And I got my passion for storytelling from my dad. He's a really good storyteller. And I knew I wanted to study animation when I saw the first Toy Story film. I was like, ooh, that I gotta do that, that's so cool. And then beginning in 2002, I started to feel like something wasn't quite right with me physically. I've been a competitive swimmer my whole life. So I knew what I was supposed to feel like. And it wasn't like, oh, my shoulder kind of hurts. It's just like a general blah feeling. But by August, they still hadn't figured out what was wrong with me. And I had lost 50 pounds, had sunken cheeks and eyes. I was really pale. Started to get really bad headaches. So my parents took me for an MRI up in Walnut Creek. And we were waiting around for another appointment when my pediatrician called and said he's going to drive up from Pleasanton to come talk with us. And we saw him walking up with this big envelope in his hands. You could tell he'd been crying. And he brought us into a little side meeting room. I remember I was sitting knee to knee with him in this big U-shaped chair with really high armrest, kind of leaning forward towards him. When he pulled out the results of the MRI and showed me I had two brain tumors. Hmm. And it felt like I got punched in the chest. I actually moved backwards in my chair. And for the next two weeks, everything sounded like the adults from Peanuts, kind of wop, 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 because I've never had the flu, never broken any major bones, never been stung by a bee. I'm pretty sure I've never been bitten by a mosquito. 
So to get brain tumor diagnosis at 15 wow. years old, it was a complete sucker punch out of nowhere. Sure. But I got so much help from friends and family and my high school adjusted my schedule and got me a tutor so I could still graduate on time. And people I barely knew were giving food and gifts and other supports really inspired me to want to give back and help as many people as I could because I'd probably be dead if it wasn't for all the help that I got. And then in undergraduate school, as I was studying animation, there was a big student digital art and design competition I participated in with the big screening at the end of like a thousand people in this big auditorium, I knew maybe 10 people in the room. But when everyone laughed at the joke of my animation, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. And connect with people and have a bigger impact with animation and storytelling. So after grad school, I started my company and we tell exceptional stories for exceptional impact, helping tech, biotech, healthcare and professional services companies attract more of their best clients and employees using storytelling and animation. No matter what sort of, sort of business you're in, whether it's B2C or B2B or even B2G, you're always still just dealing with humans. And so, and humans tell stories. So by helping those sort of companies tell better stories, more people in the world get their lives improved, our clients' business does better. We get a happy client, everyone wins. It's a way for me to have a bigger positive impact on the world around me. And that's why I do what I do. Now, what was it like creating that animation for the first time you knew you were going to be presenting it in front of other people? What was that experience like? I mean, it's, it's always, I'm sure most people can relate to having kind of a, a being nervous, being up on stage or taught and presenting in front of people. And it's very similar to that because it is very much um, putting yourself out, out there for criticism and, and critique. And it's something that I've definitely, uh, with the animation background and uh, being an entrepreneur, I've, I've gotten more used to receiving criticism and feedback from people because it is essential for growth and improvement. And sure. so it's something that I, at the time was very nervous with hearing about the response from people that they kind of got the joke and they found it funny and it had the impact it did uh, was was totally worth it. And I got that kind of like tingle on the back of the neck, like the adrenaline rush. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is kind of a, a validation that I'm on the right sort of path for my life when it comes to the sort of work and impact I want to have uh, with storytelling and animation. So the way you're talking about it, it's almost like the feelings and almost exactly like feelings that I have felt when I've been on stage. But you weren't actually on stage. But your, no, your production, your, your was... baby, if, if you will, something yeah. that you created. Yeah, it's, it's definitely whenever you're creating a story or a piece of art, like a piece of animation or some sort of video, it is very much, uh, if it's done right, it should be like an extension of, of you and who you are. And uh, so it, it is very much still being on stage in a way. And often it's uh, can be bigger than doing a live event because uh, especially put it online, it's up there forever. And basically and the audience is so wide and it's not nearly as contained of a experience as if you're presenting it live to like a, a, a keynote address, that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, yeah. there is some, uh, a little bit of a uncertainty and nervousness, nervousness when posting something like that. But if it, it's one of the, I, the things I remind myself is that it's uh, the impact I want to have it wouldn't be possible without this step. And so it's, uh, it's worth the discomfort to, um, be able to impact, influence other people and, and inspire them and hopefully make their lives better. And uh, it, it would be kind of selfish of me to be able to 
create the stuff or tell the sort of stories and not actually apply it to help people out. Um, to be more of a waste of, of potential than uh, and I can outraise the, the pain or uncertainty of presenting myself in that way. Sure. Sure. Now, so after that presentation, when you got a, an affirmation or, or a confirmation that you were doing the right thing and you were connecting with people, how did your business evolve from that point? Well, I mean, I, I, I that was undergraduate school. So I went, I went to grad school after that and learned more about animation to be able to do it like the technically better and more about storytelling and stuff. And so when I initially started my company, it was really the differentiator was kind of focusing on the storytelling aspect of it because there's a lot of companies out there that make animations that look decent or look okay, but like the story's just not, not there. And it doesn't really matter how great your visuals are. If there's no story, then it's the animations is not going to be that effective because people really connect with the stories. And so that's what the real differentiator for the my animation side of my business when I was first starting out. And I realized over time that there were a lot of people that needed to be able to communicate stories to people in their target audience for their businesses or for their careers, but didn't have the budget or the means or the, the need for animation. And so that's, <clears throat> I could do story coaching and I have a background teaching um, for a number of years uh, after grad school as well to kind of, as I was getting started. And I enjoy helping other people in that way, helping them see that aha moment where it finally clicks for them. They kind of go from looking at you to kind of staring uh, past you into the distance and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And seeing that sort of, those epiphanies happen is one of my favorite things about the coaching side of things because it's it's not just a marketing tool or a, a strategy, but it's something that really reaches the core of what makes us humans and the way our brains are wired. And so the more people are able to um, tell the right sort of stories and empathize with each other and connect using stories, then the better off everyone will be. And in fact, what I, what I like to tell people is that if I could snap my fingers and I, or I cast a spell that would make everyone on the planet as maximally empathetic as humanly possible, but casting the spell would kill me, I'd still do it. Because my whole, and it's, I think if people had more empathy and were able to connect, then a lot of the big problems facing the world would be either solved or much easily solved by people being able to collaborate and work together, not being so divided. And but since magic doesn't exist, I'm going to use stories as the next best thing. So and and what is it that you that you do with your stories that that increase and raise the level of connectivity between people? Sure, it's a it's a great question, and it really comes down to the sort of relationships people are looking to have with like the businesses they interact with or they work for and with each other. I think just overall, we're, I mean, empathy is a skill and it's something that I think we just aren't taught how to use that skill or develop that most of the time. And so that, I think there's just this, if people can tell better stories about like, like I help coach people on how to tell stories like the one I told about myself, everyone has some sort of story like that about their life and why they do what they do and helping them also learn how to, to listen and actively connect with the people and hear their stories. And so it's when people are able to communicate what their audience actually cares about, not just what they find interesting themselves, 
then it really starts to, to build that sort of connection and it what leads to uh, either like getting that, that new hire or keeping or retaining employees or finding the sort of clients you want to work with or just making a new friend or networking connection because um, people uh, like so much, especially for companies that feel like they're competing over people's money. And in reality, you're not going after people's money. If you, when you do that, you, you'll you miss it because people can tell when they're being sold to or it's like a kind of transactional sort of message. Mm. And people are frankly sick of that with how much it happens on like spam emails and on LinkedIn and Facebook, all these like ads and like messages you don't want that are basically like, buy this thing, buy this thing. So, I mean, the biggest brands out there that are like your Nikes, your Apples, your um, like Airbnb, your Coca-Cola, they all got that big because they realize they're not going after your money. They're first competing over your attention right. and then your emotions. Mm-hmm. So if you can win people's attention and their emotions, then the money will come. Well, it's and kind so of like this, the Starbucks brand that began charging very high prices for coffee and they still do, but yep. what they offer is an experience. Yes. How yes, does, and helping, does yeah. that play in to the story? Absolutely, because when people are trying to explain what their business does or why or why someone should like work with them or, or be part of their team, they talk right now way too much about kind of the, what they do or what the person will be doing, and they don't really explain the experience and the emotional experience that people will have uh, with their business. And they often don't they don't need to tell it they tell it from their perspective, not the audience's perspective. Mm-hmm. And so by telling the sort of stories and reframing the way they describe their business, they actually can not only attract more clients or really differentiate themselves, even in a commoditized market or a highly regulated market and be able to charge more because of that experience to provide beyond just the cup of coffee or the, the product or service. And so that's one of the stories that people tell after they get the why story done is, What's your the experience you provide? What makes it different? Because I think that the stat I've heard since the pandemic kicked off is 89% of companies are competing on client experience as a main differentiator because mm-hmm. things are so commoditized and so automated. And so being able to uh, set higher expectations for the experience people will provide is, is really important because people experience what they expect and they expect what they perceive. So if you can increase the perceived value of what you're offering is by explaining the experience that people actually have a better experience in work, working with you. There's a study I read about in the book um, where I think it was Predictably Irrational was the book by Dan Ariely, but he talks about how there's this, there's a test where in a restaurant over the course of the day, the food didn't change at all, but they would swap out the weight of the silverware at different tables. And when people had heavier silverware, they thought the food tasted better. Wow. So I like expected to, a better the, meal. The, everything else was the same. The service, yes. the food. Interesting. Because so to deliver a quality, if they brought out like a like poor quality meal, it wouldn't be as good. But you have to still like deliver on the high expectations. But if you set the expectations higher and then meet them, the people actually right. have the better experience. Um because they were primed to expect it. They so, were primed. And and I can relate to that. I used to manage a restaurant. And one of the things that I asked for from, from the, the folks who I needed to ask was for heavier steak knives. Yeah. I said, we are serving primo steak here. It is prime steak. It's all the good stuff. And we got these knives. 
that just feel like, you know, a little better than butter knives or the knife you might have in, you know, to cut to cut bread or something, a little knife. Yeah. And we got these heavy wooden handles with these thick, these thick blades. And it felt better to me. And I expected when I go to a restaurant and I and I see a big steak knife like that, I'm like, oh, here comes the steak. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, it yeah, raises it does sure. raise my expectations. I never really really thought about it the way the way you mentioned. But yeah. I mean, it's just like with any sort of marketing, the reason why it's important to have high quality content marketing these days, like for animation, is that people will set their expectations for what your business is like based on that first view of like a, like an animation or like a, a blog post or something like that. So uh, the, the way I describe it is imagine if you could either present like your, imagine your business is a steak and you want people to eat your steak. So you can either present it on a nice plate with sides in a restaurant with nice ambiance or on a trash can lid in an alley. It's same the same, it's still the same steak, but just the way you present it will determine if people want to eat it or not. And so a lot of companies, they just they put out the wrong sort of messaging or their like their website's not great, or they put out like these videos that have don't make a great first impression and they wonder why people aren't buying their product or investing in their their services and it's because you can have a great offer a great business model but if people don't perceive it as having value you're still you're going to be stuck so it's a lot of the the things that help people with is kind of reframing how they view their business because so many people get into the, the work because of they love what it is they love how, what the process is like for them whether they love all the minutiae and detail and so when they go to market they present all that sort of stuff and the flat kind of harsh reality is nobody else cares about it as deeply as you do. Otherwise they'd be doing it too. So if you, if you talk about just what you care about, unless you're trying to sell to yourself, you're not going <laughs> to attract people. Certainly you have to talk, you have to speak um, to your audience because they are the hero of the story. Yes. It's, it's not the provider. You want your, your, your clients, you want your prospects to be the hero of the story. And I like what you say about the experience. I mean, I have worked with folks and I've hired coaches. um, I've hired others because of the way they make me feel. Now, I've got to know them. I've got to like them and I've got to trust them. There's a no like and trust. Um, But if they make me feel like this is going to be a good experience, this is going to help me get where I want to go. And I trust them and I like them. Um, I think that makes a lot of difference. And I, it's hard to, for me to, to pinpoint the exact moment where I said, this feels good. And, and yeah, I don't know if there is an exact moment or it's a, it's a build up to a crescendo. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely correct that you, it's when you feel it's the right fit that you end up buying because we actually physically, our brains make decisions with emotion every single time. And for those of you who said, no, I don't make decisions with emotion. Sorry, you still do. You just rationalize it later. And oftentimes you don't realize you made a decision until weeks or months after, especially if it's a big one. Um, but people around you can tell that you've made a decision based on your the way your behavior changes. Or like, and so it's knowing that people make decisions with emotions and that it's it's essential for 
trying to persuade or motivate people or influence them to to buy in, then it's uh, essential to have the sort of that sort of emotional evocative language when you're describing the experience or the results or, or, or explaining about your business. And, and unfortunately, most a lot of companies are still stuck on more transactional, drier. Here's what we do. Here's all our years of experiences when we went to school. Here's only like awards we've won and uh, it's just that people don't resonate with that, but it, like so, telling a sort of story about why you got into this line of work and the sort of impact you want to have, even if you haven't been through something super crazy, traumatic, or dramatic, it's it's actually sometimes even better because people relate more to people they share common experiences with or common values with. So if you've been through the same sort of things uh, like growing up that your best clients have been through, then you really want to share that sort of story. Because they'll go, oh my gosh, he totally gets where I'm coming from. He shares my values. And that builds that trust quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why also like p- people uh, like kind of follow and, and laud celebrities, but you don't really ever feel connected to them because you can't relate to their experiences because it's such a different world and that they live in. And so it's when you're trying to connect with people, the more authentic and vulnerable you can be with your story and show how I like the term a uh, flossom where you're not perfect, but you're, you've made mistakes. You, you have right. like fears and anxieties and, and flaws, but you're still like have all a, a lot of value to give and you have, you, you've experienced great things. You're, you're an expert in what you do, but when you just try and put up that I'm perfect persona, some people have on like on social media and like Instagram and, they don't show their their flaws. Right. It's really hard to connect with people because it's just not real. It's not authentic. And right. I'm not saying to go completely authentic and kind of disregard your impact on other people because but I've got like authenticity plus emotion equals flossum. And that's a great sort of uh, barometer when you think about your messaging for building that trust more quickly with people because that's what resonates uh with especially the people that are going to be your best clients not just any old client yeah and i realized that recently i i launched a course online so it's an online do it your do it yourself at your own pace and Mm -hmm. um it's a series of videos and a couple people mentioned i liked the authenticity while you were recording i saw you made mistakes but you didn't cancel it out you made a mistake and then live on the video you went back and said oh i didn't mean to say that or let's call this something else and you know i i wanted to be authentic i'm not perfect um but i had a lot of information to share and and it was interesting the feedback i got that people said they liked that i thought that was a flaw in the in the program and i decided to leave it anyway but they actually liked that yeah it's a it's a interesting phenomenon that's been uh happening the last four or five years, I think, is that if you have an overly polished video too professional, even same thing for like images on like LinkedIn, if you put like a stock image up, people kind of skim by it because it's, it's obviously staged and professional and, and it's not authentic. Hmm. If you have a video where you do flub up or you have to backtrack, you have to correct yourself and then, then the, the lighting's not absolutely perfect and you don't have, um, any of the sort of like fancy uh, like soundstage sort of thing. And, and it's more real and and more authentic like that. That really resonates because I think just in general, 
even before the pandemic, people were feeling disconnected and they, they were craving sense of belonging, connection with mm. each other and where they worked. And so the pandemic just gonna unshook everything, gonna shook up everything and disrupted it all. So people had a it felt more disconnected because of the social distancing and 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 uh, quarantine. And then when they're and they realized kind of more of what they wanted from the relationships with uh, their business, like the places they worked, that sort of thing, the places they did business with, they realized they wanted a, a more personal human connection that's more authentic and not an overly kind of like corporate speak, um, like highly like hierarchical uh, environment like businesses have been for so long. And so the 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 what people are looking for changed much faster than most businesses can adapt, hmm. which is why we're seeing great resignation, great reshuffle, great recombobulation, whatever you want to call it. It just, there's this disconnect now between what people want from their relationships with companies and what uh, companies are offering. And so it, it does take a reframe of how companies relate to their workforce. Right. I mean, I think um, nobody's perfect. Right? And I don't think we should even tr strive for perfection. We should strive for excellence. Yeah. And well, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna gonna do things a, a little bit off. It's not gonna be perfect the first time. But how do you get better? Well, you get better by doing it again and making those small incremental improvements. And it can take, uh, you know, depending on what you're doing, it can take a while. But you're out there being yourself, being authentic. And you may have a lot of knowledge to share, a lot of information that could be very helpful, but maybe you're not the best presenter. Maybe you wouldn't get a, a high score at the Toastmasters Club because you use a lot of ums and ahs, but you get that information out there. And I think that is so important. And that's, that's what I'm hearing from, from the message that you're telling and, and from your story. Yeah, it, 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 you're pretty much on track. That there is like a great quote by Vince Lombardi where he talks about he, his team always aiming for perfection, knowing they weren't ever going to reach it. But by aiming that high, they would achieve that level of excellence that made them successful. And so I, I agree. If you're trying to actually achieve perfection, that's um, a problem because it's just it's not realistic. And trying to present yourself as perfect it's going to backfire because it's not authentic. But if you internally set your goals for perfection, knowing you're not going to reach them, but still uh, do as best you can. And, and then when you do mess up or do have issues, own them and, and wear them on your sleeve and let people know, hey, uh, this is something happened to me that is kind of an embarrassing or like a, a, a mistake. Um, people really relate to that because it, it humanizes you and right. it's not uh, just this armor that everyone's been uh, taught to put up by kind of growing up in today's society. Right, right. No, absolutely. So, Carl, let me ask you a question now. Sure. A couple of, I'm going to combine a couple of questions into one. What okay. do you have going on? What can you share with our audience? And what would be, what would be the, the one thing you want to leave the audience with today? Sure. So, um, something I'm going on and really excited about is I'm I'm working on I'm going to be launching a new hybrid coaching uh, program later this month that's aimed at helping companies attract 
their best employees and retain them by optimizing their job posts, career pages, internal communications, and building up their active, link, active listening skills. And so I have a survey out where I'm uh, looking to get information from owners, HR professionals, recruiters on what sort of pain points they're experiencing and how much time they want to put into it and, and like a potential price points. And so I'm, I'm giving away uh, 10 uh, copies of the program to people that submit to this uh, survey. It takes about three minutes to fill out. It's really simple. So I'll give you the link to that to share with your viewers. And if they're interested in this and basically learning how they can uh, use storytelling to attract their best employees and keep the ones they have, that'd be a great thing. And then for those of you that um, are looking to uh, improve their um, marketing messaging, I have a um, complimentary 30-minute session link that I'll also give you. That we're basically, they can review their website and show them at least five ways they can improve their messaging to attract more of their best clients uh, by optimizing the, the storytelling on their website. Awesome. I, that will all be in the show notes. So yes. fantastic. Fantastic. Carl, I have enjoyed our conversation. I, I have learned from our conversation as always. Cool. Thank so, you so much. So thank you and have a great day. And um, hey, you know, we're, we're recording this at the beginning of the week. So I hope you have a great week. You too. Thanks. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Espresso Jams. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on your preferred channel. Never miss another episode. If you'd like more business tips on technology, entrepreneurship, and doing better, you can find me on LinkedIn at Joe Matz, that's J-O-E-M-A-T-Z, or go to my website, apexable.com, that's apex-able.com. I'm your host, Joe Matz, wishing you an awesome day.